Welcome to the Pillars for Purposeful Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, Brita Wallace, and I am so happy that you are tuning in. Make sure that you go ahead and follow the podcast so you can stay tuned for new episodes and also stay tuned for expert guest speakers coming up on the show. I have quite the lineup building, so you definitely want to stay tuned for that. Speaking of which, we have an amazing guest today, Jenna Wolf. So Jenna is a certified lactation counselor, certified pure joy parent coach, and host of Start to Stop Toddler Breastfeeding. She has breastfed her own kids for over six years, including over three years of tandem feeding. After spending years supporting moms in their early postpartum journey, Jenna saw the need to support beyond uh, that and now specializes in supporting families in extended breastfeeding, toddler weaning, and tandem feeding. So without further ado, uh, let's welcome Jenna to the show. Hi, Jenna. Hello. Thank Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah. Um, So Jenna, can you tell the moms listening today a little bit more about you do and a a little bit more about who you are? Yeah, absolutely. So um, like you said, I'm a certified lactation counselor and a parent coach. Uh, So I typically help moms in the older breastfeeding days. (laughs) A lot of times moms will push really hard in a lot of cases to get through those early days of breastfeeding. And then they kind of hit a rhythm and things are kind of like going good. And then things, you know, new challenges start to pop up when you're talking about an older baby or young toddler, older toddler, preschooler. And so often when moms reach out for support to really their community around them, right? Uh, For advice in those areas, the solution is often just to wean like, oh, well, if it's not working, just wean like you don't have to keep going. And we know that it is recommended by the World Health Organization and I'm in Canada. So the Canadian Pediatric Society, but now as well in the States to breastfeed for two years and beyond. And that a lot of moms and breastfeeding families have the goal of breastfeeding to one year or two years. And mm-hmm. even for the ones who maybe it's not just about reaching a goal, they just really, really want to. They parts of it they really enjoy and for other ones who would love to wean it doesn't feel like an option it's just not as simple as just stopping breastfeeding um you know there's children still really want to breastfeed or they stop breastfeeding but their kids still waking up during the night or you know like the things that were existing around the breastfeeding that were maybe putting pressure on the breastfeeding relationship don't just magically go away because you've eliminated breastfeeding so um that's typically where I support a lot of families. Uh, and that really came from my own breastfeeding journey and story. Um, much like I described, I kind of had to fight through those early days of breastfeeding my oldest and eventually felt like things had kind of got to a rhythm. It was like, all right, we got this. And then, uh, when I got pregnant with my second, everything kind of went sideways and I have very terrible nursing aversion Uh, and was just really struggling. And it wasn't like this fantasy breastfeeding journey that I had planned out in my head. Um, And I really started breastfeeding to give my daughter that best start in life, right? Like that we're told about. And it kind of started to feel like I was just souring that whole experience. Um, And it was now at moments, I felt like I sometimes regretted even breastfeeding, uh, which is 
difficult to say and it was hard to admit to myself yeah. because I really loved it but mm-hmm. it became so hard um, at some moments and once I started to work through that and uh, I really I, I was always such a nerd for attachment theory and child developmental psychology um, and all that kind of stuff and I started to apply it to breastfeeding and was able to make a lot of changes and like you said in the intro I uh, I went on to breastfeed her for six years which sounds wild and crazy. And, uh, it still sounds weird to say out loud. Um, but that was just, it worked for us. It was what we, yeah, it just worked for both of us. Um, and obviously that, that, what that looked like changed so much over that time. Uh, and, but I went to breastfeed my son for, um, we, we tandem nursed for about three and a half years too. So during that time. Yeah. And then while I was there, I kept kind of running into other families who, had stories so similar to mine, but they were really ashamed or uh, afraid to talk about their experiences or to ask for support because oftentimes they're breastfeeding the, you know, 18 month old and no one they knew had ever breastfed for that long. So when they're like, Hey, my child, you know, will be pulling my shirt at the park to want to breastfeed. And no matter how many times I say, no, they still want to pull up my shirt. And everyone's like, well, just wean. And they're like, but I don't want to wean. I just need to, (laughs) I need to deal with this specific thing. So yeah, yeah, as I started to hear about those things, I was like, okay, this is where I'm going to really put my focus. And um, yeah. And that's kind of what I typically do. I do a little bit of uh, like early postpartum work still, but mostly uh, focusing on, on toddlers. Did that answer your question? I feel like I talked for a long time. (laughs) No, that's it. I mean, hey, you're the star of the show. So you're supposed to talk longer than me. <laughs> that's great. No, yes, it definitely did answer my question. And um, so you said breastfeeding, you had some aversion. Yeah. Is that what was the term that you used? Yeah, nursing aversion or breastfeeding aversion. Oh, nursing, yes, nursing aversion. Can you talk about that and just tell moms, you know, a little bit more about what that means? Um yeah. A lot of times, like I didn't have a word for it when I experienced it. Mm-hmm. And that's what a yeah. lot of families feel like. And I was already like, I had already had a lot of education in breastfeeding and um, was working towards my certification and all that kind of stuff when it started. So it tip, I mean, in the same way that you would experience an aversion to anything, like you suddenly, and it can come on quite suddenly, you have that experience when you're breastfeeding. So your toddler latches or your child latches and you have this urge to push them away. Um, Sometimes it's like skin crawling and it typically only lasts while they're latched, but it can come up when you're thinking about breastfeeding too. Uh, It shouldn't be confused with something called DEMER, which is dysphoric uh, milk ejection um, reflex. Yes. Which is when you can have sometimes uh, like a, a dysphoria or like symptoms of depression, um, that kind of stuff while you're having a letdown while breastfeeding. So that's like a different kind of thing, um, which definitely some families still experience. Um, but aversion is when you have this kind of like skin crawling urge to push your child off, uh, when they latch. And it typically for many families, it starts in older babies, toddlerhood, um, oftentimes associated with pregnancy, but it doesn't have to be, it can start very, very early in the breastfeeding experience too. Um, and unfortunately we don't have a ton of research around it. It's just not really been a priority to be researched, unfortunately, as with a lot of things around motherhood, um, and parent uh, like breastfeeding and birth. But, 
what we do know is that it does tend to be associated with um, sometimes trauma and things like that, but as mm -hmm. well, uh, sometimes there can even be deficiencies, uh, mineral deficiencies in the body that can trigger that kind of stuff too. So that was kind of like a brief overview of, of what nursing aversion is. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking like, as you were talking, like, I don't know that mom, like all the moms listening that some of them would be like, Hmm, what is that? So I just wanted to touch on that for a minute because just hearing the term, it just might be overlooked, but it might be something that other moms are experiencing. So I just kind of wanted you to deal detail on that a little bit, just so, you know, if another mom is experiencing I've that. Had, I've talked, shared my story with people who are like IBCLCs and have been for a while. And when I'm sharing their story, my story, they're like, I didn't know that there was a word for that. I experienced right. that yeah, when I was exactly. my kids and, or I'm experiencing that right now. I know how alone I felt when I, it happened. Cause it was like, I love breastfeeding suddenly, like I'm having to punch the headboard, like to get through a feed, like at, at night, you know, cause I'm just like overwhelmed by it. And it's just such this visceral reaction um, yeah. that feels really scary, you know? And again, the typical advice from people who just, they're really well-meaning, but it's like, oh, we'll just wean. And it's like, but right. that's, it's not that simple. <laughs> right. Yeah. So what would you, so what made you want to continue? Like, did you have a goal in the beginning? Um, was your goal the more typical like year to two year mark for your kids um, in the beginning of like when you first became a mom? Yeah. So I, my mom is a birth doula. So I kind of grew up around the natural birth world um, and whatnot. So I was very aware of breastfeeding. Uh, my mom breastfed me till I was about two, my siblings as well. So mm -hmm. I just kind of took for granted that I feel, I'm sure I'll breastfeed probably till about two. And I, at that time, okay. So like early on in my pregnancy, I was very focused on labor and delivery. And I was like, I got to yeah. learn all about the things. Right. Um, yeah. and my mom was a doula, like I said, and uh, she offered a little tiny bit of breastfeeding support for her clients, but she was always look looking to learn more. So while I was pregnant, I found a local lactation consultant who was offering um, like a four hour prenatal education for breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. So I was like, mom, let's go do this together. Right. So I did. And my mind was like blown. And I was like, there is so much more to breastfeeding than I ever thought that there was. Uh, and I'm really yeah. grateful for that because I, I did struggle in the beginning with my daughter and I had the resources and the knowledge to navigate it. So even though she wasn't latching for the first few days and we had issues with just lots of tongue ties, lip ties, you know, all the things, colic. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a super crazy overactive letdown and she was just choking on my milk all the time. It was scary too. Mm -hmm. Um, but I had all of that going on, but I, I knew who to reach out to. I knew the questions to ask, uh, you know, I knew what I needed to, in order to navigate that situation. And so I was able to, um, and that led me to notice that other people around me who were breastfeeding my friends and whatnot, didn't have that same resources. So they were ending up with much different outcomes than, than I was. And I was like, what's happening here? Right. And I realized, okay, 
there's a need for some support. And I was kind of became like this de facto lactation consultant very early on in my breastfeeding where I was just kind of going around to friends' houses with my like little newborn and like, here, let me help you with latching and let me give you uh-huh. a card for somebody that might be able to help you. And, uh, and I realized I loved it. So that's from that point, I started to get some education and work towards certification. And mm-hmm. I would say early on, my breastfeeding was like, okay, well, let's just see where we, where we get right. Like, I know the recommendation is for two years, but let's just see what happens. I'm not going to put any, you know, dates or timelines on it, but the more I learned about it and the more I kind of got connected into, um, you know, more people in the breastfeeding world, I was like, okay, there's a possibility to go for maybe, maybe age three, you know, I was like, okay. Like, and learning more about, um, the cultural impact that we have, that has on like, that has, been had, sorry, on breastfeeding in our Western world, um, you know, and how that has impacted how we, how we relate to, to breastfeeding and infant feeding and toddler feeding. And that biologically speaking, it's really normal to breastfeed, you know, until age four or five, six, seven. Um, and, uh, once I started to learn about that, things did continue to shift. And I was like, okay, let's just see, see how this goes. And my daughter, um, is neurodivergent and having like, she would have super epic meltdowns Mm -hmm. and breastfeeding was always a really wonderful regulation tool. And, uh, it was so supportive in our relationship to help her get through these really big meltdowns, which were totally outside of her control. And Mm -hmm. she was totally thrown and like, just her nervous system was so dysregulated. Um, But that midline input was really, really regulating for her. So it became something that I didn't want to lose, especially when we were like having that. So um, it wasn't like I did anything to make sure we continued breastfeeding, Um, but I did, you know, I was intentional about offering um, before bed, uh, mo- like semi-regularly so that we kind of had that tool tool there. So there would be times in those six years near the end where she might go a bunch of days without breastfeeding, but then we'd have like one yeah. quick little time. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so our the, the timeline for things just constantly was shifting and changing. And yeah. eventually it became not about a date at all. It became about our relationship and uh, what was working for me and for her. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So what are the stories still about breastfeeding now? Both of your kids? Uh, not my, no, my daughter is weaned, but my son, uh, he breastfeeds a little bit. He just turned okay. four a couple uh, yeah. weeks ago. So, okay. Oh, happy birthday to him. <laughs> so Jenna, what are the benefits of breastfeeding? Like in the later years, like for moms, Cause a lot of my, you know, culturally, a lot of moms are like, okay, make it to the year mark, right. Or two year mark and then be done. And I hear like more, um, like just in my inner circle and, you know, I'm from two different States. I, I live in a, I live in Michigan now, but I'm from upstate New York and, um, just in my circles that I have, um, been in a lot of moms want to make it to that year mark and then, you know, oh, we can start giving cow's milk and they're eating now. So, um, and I actually did work for a chiropractor and his wife breastfed probably until like four or five. So, um, her kids, and I'm just curious, like for those moms that are listening, because just culture says one thing, right. And then what is, and then you know, we have information on what the benefits are. And I just would like you to share that with the moms listening, you know, what would be the benefits of breastfeeding 
a baby later on. Absolutely. So there are a lot. A toddler. Yeah. 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 I know exactly what you mean. So there are so many. So one of the things to consider is that, um, the immune system in humans uh-huh. doesn't finish developing between sometime between ages two and a half and seven. And mm. our breast milk continues to adapt and change as long as it's being given. So we know that the immunological factors of breast milk increase over time. So there's actually more um, certain immunological factors, but there's more of them at six months, at 12 months, at 24 months. Um, So that is like a huge benefit. It's like our bodies know that, uh, you know, our toddlers are probably going to be putting a lot of things in their mouths. Right. (laughs) They're going to be doing a a lot of that kind of stuff. And so really we were designed to continue to be offering our child that immune support, right? It's just like right. when they're in the womb, we're there, we are offering them so much. We're kind of there, you know, yeah, we're, our body is doing a lot of work for their body while they're developing. And that continues yeah. afterwards. We're kind of their outside immune system for them. Uh, so that's just like one little piece. And then another one would be nutrition. So breast milk um, in uh, between 12 and 24 months, there was a study done in 2001 that looked at about 444 uh, milliliters of breast milk Mm -hmm. in that time. So like in a day, about two cups of milk, how much, what, what is in that? Right. And we know that it it offers about 29% of their energy requirements. So calories, it offers Mm -hmm. more protein than it does like in that first year. Um, like it's something like 90% of vitamin a, I'm going to mess this up, but I know that I, uh, let me see. I think I have the stats here. Uh, oh, 94% of vitamin B12 requirements, uh, 75% of vitamin A. Uh, yeah, it's almost half of their protein requirements for the day. So when we're talking about a picky, picky toddler, right? This right. is an opportunity to really fill in those nutritional gaps. Um, oh. And a lot of times, you know, pediatricians uh, in the Western world typically have a few hours worth of breastfeeding information um, or, or, or education, and they just don't know often. So you can look to registered dietitians, pediatric dietitians. Um, I actually know a great one who's a friend of mine who's an IBCLC, like a board certified lactation consultant and a registered dietitian. Um, and when we look at that, we realize that breast milk is really a part of a child's diet and uh, can be a really, really beneficial part of a child's diet. Now, of yeah. course, everyone is so free to make their own choices and right. does, the, your child doesn't have to get these things through breast milk. But on the flip side, a lot of times why moms are feeling pressured to wean is because their child's not eating a ton of solid foods, for example. Um, right. And they think that if they wean, then their child's going to eat more solid foods. But a lot of times the child is actually breastfeeding to compensate for those lack of foods, uh, not the other way around. So if there's a reason why they're struggling with those solid foods, sometimes it can be they're having issues with uh, textures. Sometimes it can be because they're having issues with oral function or digestive mm-hmm. issues. And so breastfeeding is really filling in those gaps. Um, so yeah, that can be a really important reason to continue breastfeeding. And then th- there are others, but I'll, I'll mention too, that a lot of the benefits for us as breastfeeding parents as moms um, are time-based. So the longer you breastfeed, the bigger impact uh, that you have of those benefits, like reduced rates of diabetes and a bunch of different cancers and osteoporosis and all of those things. So there's benefits all the way around (laughs) for Uh, continuing, continuing to breastfeed. Yeah. So what would you tell a mom 
that is like struggling with, you know, the cultural like pressure to wean, because I know that I've got it before and I have not like my two oldest, um, I'm going to be completely honest and transparent. I breastfed them right around a year and they just like, didn't want anything to do anymore. Um, and I would have kept going had they wanted to, I don't know how long I would have kept going. Um, but I would have, and they just were like, nope, they were busy. Didn't really want anything to do with it anymore. And I was like, okay, you know, like, I'm happy that, you know, we made it this long. And I mean, I have an abundance of milk, so it wasn't (laughs) um, anything, but you know, with this one, I have a five month old and, and he's already like trying to jump down out of my lap. Like I have very early walkers. They're very, very busy. So I'm thinking like, just from, you know, getting this education from you, um, just in, you know, the few minutes that we've been here, I'm thinking, you know, even if he does the same and he's really kind of not interested in being at my breast anymore, like it might be beneficial for me to pump for him for a while longer. So he's getting the milk, right. If he, yeah. and he's getting his benefits, if he really just kind of is like, eh, I'm just not really feeling it anymore. Um, but I, I know that I did have, you know, people say, I mean, even when my baby was a little or my older kids were little babies, you know, three, four months. So when are you going to stop breastfeeding? When are, you know, like, when are you going to give formula? When are you going to, you know, make these decisions and how, you know, much of a like cultural pressure, I think people put on, you know, moms to kind of just, you know, almost make it like a shameful thing. Like, why are you still doing this? Right. And that is a big thing in culture. So, um, how do you help? Like, how do, how do you help moms through that? Like with their mindset and stuff? Uh, yeah, it's such a great question. So even myself, I wasn't super open about talking about my breastfeeding journey. Um, right. You know, when my daughter was young, it's really only been the last few years that I've been like, okay, I feel comfortable enough to share about this because I see the need. And it was yeah. scary at first to be like, Hey, I'm breastfeeding my four-year-old like that, like, sure. You know, people don't, I, I don't know, you, you end up like some kind of clickbait article, right? Like right. <laughs> that kind yeah. of thing. Um, yeah. So I, I completely understand. And the first thing that I would like support a mom to do is to really come back into herself. Yeah. And to recognize that there's a reason why these messages are out there. And those people are probably, were probably pressured themselves and had a lot of pain themselves. And oh. to do like just the tiniest little history lesson when we're looking back over the 1900s and even the late 1800s, there was so much going on in the world. And Mm -hmm. one of those things was that there was really high infant mortality rates, actually. Mm -hmm. And England and Canada and the US, they all started to think like, what do we need to do to like change these infant mortality rates? And unfortunately, there was a lot of racism that was underneath those kind of currents because they're like, we're not going to have enough white babies in the world. We need to have more white babies. And so culture, the the governments started to put in programs um, to inform and educate mothers about parenting in order to raise these, uh, you know, to, to lower the infant mortality rates, I should say. particularly for white women, unfortunately. But uh, what that did was their, their main method of doing that was to undermine women's 
intuition was uh, to say we it, it was it's something called scientific motherhood and they really leaned into that and it was really really prevalent in like the 1920s and 1930s um but it's yeah. still we still see the effects of it and we could still see the effects of it in the 60s and 70s but it really came down to like don't touch your babies put them on the schedule and it right. was do not trust yourself you need to trust us because we know best uh and it wasn't yeah. even necessarily and a lot of times the evidence isn't even that most of those doctors and whatnot who are pushing that kind of narrative um, weren't necessarily actually using evidence at all, a aside from their right. own, uh, you know, thoughts about things. And right. unfortunately, right. a lot of them were men who never breastfed a child. <laughs> and so they sure. had their own no. ideas about stuff. So when we start to talk about it, it's like, well, yeah, but that's what you're hearing coming out of the mouths of those people in a lot of times. Right. And really, yeah. it's painful to be disconnected from your own wisdom of knowing like, oh, this is what, uh, like knowing my child's crying and I want to pick them up. Right. And that is something that I believe we were given and designed with like this, you know, nurturing right. and attachment. Um, so yeah, we, we can know that like John Bowlby and attachment theory, and that started in like, he, he started toying with those ideas in the thirties and forties and fifties. Right. And it was really flying in the face of that idea that children want you because you reward them. Children want to be with you because you're rewarding them. And so it became that behavioralism kind of piece, which I know is right. perhaps getting a little technical, but I geek out on this stuff. I know me too. I like it. I, yes. I mean, I'm <laughs> so then, but what, you know, Bowlby and Ainsworth and attachment theory was, we're saying, yeah. actually we have an innate drive and it's adaptive and protective to be connected yeah to a caregiver and right. you know if we're looking at this from a faith-based kind of perspective too like we have an attachment to god and we have an attachment right like it's all reflected in, right. in these kind of things and awesome. you know and yeah and like and, and even outside of christianity other religions have that kind of same uh, like concept too so we can see that it's reflected right. in just all of these different areas too right so um but that is like at a direct fight like a direct um what's the word i'm looking for like whatever conflict with the messaging right, yeah. from behavioralism. And I was literally just talking with a mom uh, the other day who's in, in my, I have a group coaching program and she just enrolled and she was sharing. And I, I said to her, like, it's a tug of war that we feel. And she's like, it's a tug of war. That's what it is. It feels like a tug of war inside of me yeah. between trust myself, trust my child, you know, trust this process uh, versus, you know, I have to Google everything and I have to know every detail of all the things. Right. And, and it, it can be really hard too when we're talking about, you know, the lack of support that moms feel just in general. And so you finally have people in your corner and who want to be there for you and you need them. And then you turn yeah. around and they're like, hey, why are you still breastfeeding? You're making your child too clingy or too dependent on you or, you know, whatever yeah. that kind of stuff is. Or it, breast milk turns to water um, and all these things that are there. And so for a mom who's in that position right now. First of mm -hmm. all, I would say like reflect on this bigger context mm -hmm. uh, and, and notice that you're a part of this, but you're also, you can separate yourself from it, right? Like you're in this cultural soup, but you're still your own person and you can draw those boundaries yeah. and say like, this is my journey and my story. I call mm -hmm. my business own your parenting story because it's about owning that story and saying right. like, actually I get to make these choices here. Right. Um, and then also owning those, the story that's in your own mind and say, this is the story I'm the narrative 
that I'm building, the, the beliefs that I'm having, the thoughts I'm having about it. So it could be, because we don't actually know what that other person, that other person might've said that statement, but we don't know what all went behind that. So we're often adding a lot to it, right? Like, oh, they're going to reject me if I don't. And they're going to, they think these things about me and I'm a bad mom and we're building that story, right? So right, if we right. can own, yeah, if we can own that story and say, oh, I'm the one who's putting that, those thoughts there, like we can start to gain some control and make right. our own choices from that place and say, okay, I'm actually going to look at the here and now the present what's working for me and what isn't working for me. What am I okay with? And what am I not okay with about how I'm treating me, right? Like about how I'm right. treating me, how I'm treating my child. Um, Mm-hmm. And then from there, they, you make those choices, right? And I have absolutely yeah. supported moms to wean who their primary reason for weaning was because it was really difficult to breastfeed around their family. And yeah. once they came to that truth and that realization, they decided that it was they still wanted to wean. They knew that that was the case. And they're saying, well, this is just, this is a choice I want to make because this is the situation yeah. I'm in. This is the energy I have, you know? And mm-hmm. you can do that in a beautiful way that still maintains right. your bond. And that still is, you know, has all that wonderfulness. Uh, so I, you know, see that picture, see that context, realize what thoughts you're having, where you're putting yourself, how you are treating you. Um, yeah. And then, and then make a choice about what, what you really want and what you can really offer. Right. And I always say that there's as many ways to breastfeed as, or, yeah, to feed a child, to feed an infant, right. to feed a, a yeah. toddler, as there are families out there. So it really mm-hmm. doesn't have to be all or nothing. Nothing, just like you're saying, like, okay, maybe I want to pump, and maybe you don't want to pump, or maybe you want to just breastfeed once a day before bedtime. Um, right. And that's right. you know, like all of those things are are available and there are options here. So you know, you can really dream. There's endless possibilities uh, for what mm-hmm. that relationship looks like, and mm-hmm. maybe it means you don't breastfeed around those people, or maybe it means you just say, "Hey, I'm not going to talk about this." Actually, like that's just not a conversation right. we're going to have today, and you change mm-hmm. the subject. Uh, you know, so yeah, mm-hmm. and creating those boundaries there. I love that because really, every mom and every family, this is like you said, it's your own journey, and it's what you feel comfortable with. So. I really hear you saying like, if you want to breastfeed until, you know, like no matter when you want to wean, right? Like you're that support. So you will support moms on their journey and help them get there. And it doesn't matter like when that is, you're just that support for moms. And then you have like this knowledge and this information and, um, this support for them to continue also to those later years. One of the things, um, not all of our listeners are faith-based listeners, but one of the things this is, you know, partly history, right? Like I'm doing this Bible study right now and just hang with me moms for those of you who maybe are not Christians, but like I'm doing this Bible study on, uh, Exodus and, uh, it's a story of Moses and, um, how, you know, when Moses was put in the basket and then Pharaoh's daughter ended up taking him in and she, uh, ended up having his mom breastfeed him and nurse Mm -hmm. the baby. Um, and we're kind of like, it's really about like how God has used like the women back in the day, um, back in those days to like, save a nation, right? Like how he used those. Cause most, this ended up, you know, saving, like being a big part of saving the Israelites and, um, 
moving them away from, you know, out of Egypt into, well, the desert, they were in the desert for a long time, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm not trying to tell a biblical story. Um, but you know, so I just wanted to give you a little context for those of you who didn't know. So that's kind of what it, what it's about. Um, and what we're learning about and the point, you know, where this comes into play with breastfeeding is that one thing that I learned this past week is that back in those days, um, and, and whether you, you know, have a belief or not, those times still happened in, <laughs> you know, <Right. laughs> in our history and the moms back then did breastfeed until three, four years old. That was very mm-hmm. common. Um, and that was, you know, and it's funny to me or interesting to me, I shouldn't say funny, like how, you know, society changes and then that becomes the norm, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, and that's happening all the time you know, like something changes in our culture and then that becomes the cultural norm. And it's not necessarily good or bad. It's not, you know, and, and not just necessarily with breastfeeding. I mean, it's just with anything, right. We, we create these new norms. And I just think really what you said about like that innate, um, you know, abilities that we have that, you know, mom intuition that we have is really what we should be following and looking to is like, what is serving you? What works best for you? What do you feel is the best thing for you and your child? And, you know, making that decision on your own, no matter what culture says, because culture and society is constantly changing. Our norms are constantly changing. And there are things in culture and society today where we've come a long way and and those are good things. And then there's things that, you know, that maybe we're not supportive of. Um, and that's okay. Like everybody is different and you're not going to change your values, right? Like you're not going to change your values based upon all of these cultural and societal norms, whether you're like, okay, I'm just going to be compassionate and supportive and empathetic. Um, doesn't really mean I have to agree right with some things that are going on or, or whatever the case may be, but, um, your values are still your values, right? You're not going to change your values for the things that are changing constantly. So I think that that's like a really good point that you made. Like we have that mom intuition. It's innately built into us. And what we, you know, what works best for us or for me, maybe not works best for maybe is not going to work best for you. If I could talk and get that sentence. I support, (laughs) yeah, I support moms early on in the breastfeeding or breastfeeding. I was literally going to say early on in parenting who are strictly formula feeding. Right. Um, Right. And because, but this is the paradigm shifts. And I think that this is where culture wants to pit formula against breastfeeding, right? And there's formula companies. I do want to very clearly specify that there are very, very terrible practices that formula companies have. Okay. So that is like, I do, that is something that I firmly believe. And I also believe that the actual contents of formula are important to have, really important to have. Um, So, but you, we don't need to have this like black or white, like this or that, because the reality is, is that when you formula feed your baby, um, you can formula feed in a way that is like supportive and actually mimics a breastfeeding 
breastfeeding experience, you can actually formula feed at your breast with something called the supplementary nursing system. So even people who don't breastfeed at all, like they perhaps they have insufficient glandular tissue or something where it's like they truly cannot produce milk. You can formula feed at your breast and have so many of the quote, like benefits of breastfeeding in that, in that way. Um, Right. But you can also bottle feed uh, like breast milk in a way that is distancing you from your child, or even in a way that uh, isn't actually supporting their oral function and development, right? But when you understand the role that breastfeeding has from a biological standpoint, then you can make really informed choices around things because you can say, oh, okay, like it's, it's important for my child's mouth to open to a certain degree when they're taking a a bottle, uh, because it actually changes the shape of their palate and it changes the way their tongue functions. And this can impact speech and can impact sleep and can impact airway development. Right. So you might not have any idea when you put your baby to a breast it's doing, but when we choose something or maybe it doesn't feel like a choice, maybe, you know, it happens an artificial version of that. Um, if we're not careful, then we could maybe have more risks involved, but there are ways to do it in a way that you use the artificial thing in a way that simulates the real thing, right? Um, and whether you, from the gate, chose to formula feed, choose to formula feed, feel passionately about that, or it feels like something that um, you didn't have a choice with, or your combo feeding, whatever that is, the more knowledge that you have too, uh, I think the more you can even tap into that intuition and separate things, right? And recognize what that is. Sure. And I'll say one one last thing about intuition is that Sometimes we can confuse it with our instincts. And now this is just my personal kind of way. And I've heard from other people who share this kind of idea, Um, but our instincts are there to protect us. And they're often like a response to a threat and they can be like learned, right? So if you're feeling like an instinct to do one thing or the other, So that can be like a reaction instead of causing and having a response, which I associate more with our intuition where we can really check in with ourselves. Right. So you might have an instinct to say like, oh, I can't do this, you know, Uh, but that's because your amygdala, something in your brain is saying there's a threat here. There's something dangerous here. Uh, And so you're you're making this like reaction, you know, um, which isn't always the same as our instinct. And I think that sometimes we can get that confused and there can be pain in that process too. And even yeah. like looking back. Um, so I always support moms if you're able to, to take that pause too and really check back in with yourself and say, actually, given the information that I have, what do I truly want to do? Not just like, you know, a reaction. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I love it. Um, Jenna, so before we wrap up today, is there anything else that you want moms to know Um, yeah. Is there anything else that you want moms to know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a a big question, but I guess what I deeply want moms to know is that breastfeeding is, is not a behavior. Mm -hmm. It's not a habit to be eliminated or something that is, um, causing problems in and of itself, like innately the breastfeeding. And there's always more going on. And I say that with the most compassion, um, because it actually is empowering because eliminating breastfeeding, if, if you're struggling or if there's things that are happening, doesn't immediately, uh, you know, guarantee any kind of, you know, good results. (laughs) And sometimes the reasons why things were difficult in the first place, they might go away for a minute and feel okay for a minute, but sometimes they can pop up in other places. So I say that to be really, really empowering. Um, And I also say that to say that if you feel like 
breastfeeding is being blamed by these kind of outside voices, you can rest assured and know that actually breastfeeding is designed to be um, an important tool for you as a mother. Right. And if you decide that that's a tool you don't want to use anymore, that is beautiful and great. And you can maintain your bond and you can meet all of those needs that are there uh, so that they don't pop up in other areas, but you do need yeah. to, to be mindful through that. So yeah, I guess just see breastfeeding as um, an important and valuable tool that you can choose to step away from when you want to. Does that, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. And I just, I just appreciate you being here so much, Jenna, today. Um, you have definitely educated me a lot and given me a lot more knowledge on things. And this has just been so great. So you have a free guide, right? Yeah. For the moms listening today. It's called saying no to the feed while saying yes to the need. So I will have the link for that posted in the description of the episode uh, for you moms listening today. You can just go ahead and click on that and it'll bring you right there. Um, Jenna, is there anything you, that you want to tell moms? You know, why, why do they want to go grab that um, free? Yeah. So a lot of times what moms feel like they, they feel like they can't say no. And that becomes uh, like a really big struggle for mm -hmm. them. And so that guide, it's actually like a 16 page guide. And I have a cheat sheet at the end that you can print out or save on your phone. And it walks you through, um, it, it, you can call it setting boundaries and it is to a certain extent, but it's really about communication. It's about how to communicate that no in a way that is supportive for you and your child. Uh, yeah. So that you can, a lot of times moms feel like I have to wean to get my body back, but I would offer that you can feel like your body is yours and truthfully it's always yours right like you don't actually you're not actually giving your body away right uh you're not actually losing control of it but that sense of it can really come back when we feel like we can say no and we have some autonomy and so that guide um it gives you everything you need to know to be able to understand the need that's there for your child meet that need and still say no and feel good about it and even deepen your bond through the process yes. so yeah Aww. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jenna. I really appreciate you being here. Um, I think the moms listening today have gotten so much uh, new information and, and really this has been a support. I'm sure. I mean, I'm a breastfeeding mom in the early stages. I breastfed two other, two other kids. So, um, and this has been a, a big support to me, especially. So um, I definitely think that other moms are just really going to love this content and knowledge that you have. And um, I will also share where moms can reach you as well. Um, is there a website that they can go to to find yeah. you um, and to, you know, if, if moms want to support your support for them on this journey or even in parent coaching? Um, yeah. Yeah. So ownyourparentingstory.com uh, is my kind of website and it's the hub for all the things so you can find it there. I do have a podcast um, awesome. and yeah, I have a group coaching program. So there's information about that there and you can apply and do like a quick little call with me and see if it's the right fit for you. Uh, okay. so yeah. Yeah. Well, Jenna, thank you so much again for being here today. I, um, just really appreciate your time. Yeah, of course. Yes. Thanks. Until next time, mamas take care and God bless.